0: Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about hope, including our worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Chad Johnson. Uh, anybody playing some NCAA brackets? How's your brackets doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. I know. Mine were burst before I even started. But, I bought them Tigers, huh? Yeah! <laughs> Now, I know, don't let me be biased. I know we got some Memphis State fans up in here, too. We got some Bulldogs. Had any Bulldogs fans in here and out there? All right, I know they exist, guys. So I'm praying for you guys as well. We have a Delta showdown in that NIT championship going on right now. So if you're not here, you're probably watching it. Or if you're at home, you probably got two screens going on, I hope. Or at least you're giving me some time to hear God's word today. But nonetheless, I'm certainly thankful I am biased. I am a Tigers fan. So much so that when my son first started learning the animal noises, you know, we were asking him, like, hey, what does a cow say? And he'd be like, moo. And then, what does a horse say? It's like, nay. And we say, what does a tiger say? And he'd go, T I G E R S, Tigers. So uh, I'm not ashamed of that at all, guys. So, um, but that's how much of a Tigers fan I am. I'm certainly excited for them today and praying for them at this moment. I'll get to that in a minute, I promise you. We are finishing up a series called Relentless where we're preparing our hearts and our minds in prayer as we look towards the cross, as we pray, prepare our hearts for this season in life, but also in Lent as we look towards Easter. The talk today is called Beautiful Letdowns. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever had some dreams shattered or some hopes broken. Uh, and definitely in those moments, those letdowns do not feel beautiful but we'll be talking a little bit about that today. And an easy example to this is cheering for the Tigers, right? If we're losing, I'm a terrible fan. No one wants to be around me at home. If I'm at a game, it takes me an hour to calm down. Like something bad comes over me, right? I remember the first time I got bit by the tiger bug. Basketball, I got a picture here for you guys. Can y'all see that? Y'all recognize that guy in the middle, Daniel Oppenheisen? What's up, Danny? This is in 2008, guys. We, uh, we had just won, gotten into the final four after, before this picture. And for those of you guys who know the story, we went to the national championship and my wife's family and I, we went down to San Antonio. <clears throat> and if you don't know the story, we lost. <laughs> it was a hard fought battle. Guys, it's at least 11 hours to drive from San Antonio. That was the saddest and longest drive home that I've ever experienced in my entire life. I mean, there were sniffles, there was cries. We were trying to find some sort of hope just to try to get back into our bed. We were let down. Why do we do this to ourselves? Right? Especially in games, we put so much on the players, particularly our Tigers, to carry the hope of Memphis on their shoulders. These are kids. We should be applauding that they're playing sports for our entertainment, but also getting an education. You know, When they win, it like makes our days great, but when they lose, for whatever reason, it ruins our days, perhaps even weeks. Now, I know not all of you guys are sports fans, but we do this in a lot of things in our life. We pick one or two, three, three things that we invest our entire energy into to bring us value, to bring us worth so much so that it becomes our identity. One of the saddest stories I've ever heard. This is a true story. It was in a Cleveland newspaper and obituaries. It was a Cleveland Browns uh, fan. And he asked for his last request that six Cleveland Browns players be his pallbearers. You know why? (laughs) So they could let him down one last time. (laughs) Can y'all believe that? That's a true story. True story. I'm not making that up. Speaking of last requests, though, guys, tonight, or today, we're talking about Jesus's last prayer. This is in John 17. This is the day before he's arrested, right before he's led to the cross. <clears throat> I also need to mention that today is what we like to call Palm Sunday. It's the beginning of what we call Holy Week, right? That, that Jesus in scriptures entered into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. That's the day that they... Uh, They waved palm leaves and laid them in front of them. It was a tradition to do that when they welcomed a victorious king. You see, in Jerusalem, they welcomed him on the beginning on this day as a victorious king, only to see him nailed to the cross as an enemy at the end of the week. Talk about letdown. Jerusalem, the disciples. But Jesus wasn't surprised by that. At least in this week, he had told them at least three times that he was going to die. He knew this was gonna be his last supper. He knew this was going to be his last conversations with them. And he knew this was going to be his last prayer before the cross. He knew that they would feel defeated, that they would feel let down, even lost. So let us look at this prayer today, but we're going to summarize it in three different words. There's four paragraphs in Jesus's prayer. The first paragraph, repeat after me, glorify. Jesus is focusing on glorifying God. The second two paragraphs, the next two paragraphs, sanctify, say sanctify. And then the last paragraph is unify. Say unify. Unify. So we're gonna look at these three words because this is what Jesus hung his life on and it didn't let us down. Making God's name known and lifted up, setting God's people apart from this world and uniting them to one another, even to God himself. So today, as we look at these three words, as as we look at this prayer, I want it to show us that even Jesus's prayer, his last prayer can be our prayer today as we look at our letdowns. So let's dive in. <clears throat> first word is glorify. Jesus did not let God down. Read with me in verses three and four of chapter 17. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me. Y'all see this? This very first paragraph is thanking God that God has given him the ability to lead people to him, to lift his name up, to glorify God. Not only that, he's saying, I've accomplished what you've asked me to do. I hope, I wish that my last prayer on my dying days that I can pray that prayer. God, I've done all that you sent me to do. I've lifted my wife to you. I've led my kids to you. I've loved the people that you've sent me the way that you wanted me to love them. Sadly, I'm more afraid that I'm going to be looking at the things in my life that were worthless, that I chased after, that were empty in hope, that didn't have God's love in it, nor did they have his mission in it. So today, can we say that our life's business is about giving God glory? What life philosophy are we chasing after? What mission keeps us going each day? What job are we trying to hang our worth on? Is God in it? You know, I'm thinking of the story in the rich young ruler of, in the scriptures, the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and he asks him, "Hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life?" This is in Matthew 19:16 through 26. And he basically tells Jesus, "Hey, I've done all the 10 commandments. I'm pretty good. You know, I've got this going on." And Jesus goes, "Okay, great. Now this. How about you sell all your possessions and then follow me?" It's a great pause in scripture here. Because the man walked away sorrowful. The Bible tells us that it was because he had great possessions. So we know he walked away from Jesus because he had great possessions, but let me state it like this. He is basically showing us that he did not want Jesus more than he wanted his possessions. He did not want Jesus more than his possessions. Now, some of us are thinking that, no, this story is like, thank God I'm not rich. I'm following Jesus. Woohoo! I got nothing to give. But sadly, I think we're more like this rich young ruler than we think. What's your possessions? What was his value? What was his worth? What was his security in? What was his identity in? Was he let down? His positions to him, possessions to him were more important and more tangible to him, more real to him than Christ himself and life with him. Now do me a favor, help me with this illustration. Hold out a hand in front of you. I promise you it's gonna mean something in a minute. And use your imagination with me think of that most prized possession, the thing that you work the hardest for every day that you wake up, maybe all your life. It's the thing that wakes you up, the things that brings you joy, that that you have your identity in, right? Now, put it in that hand and close it tight. It could be your home, it could be your job, it could be your accolades, your paycheck, your successes, your praises. Now, is it possible that that thing is more important to you and in your life than life with God? now and forevermore. Here's a good way to test this. Imagine you wake up tomorrow morning and it's not there. And it may not come back ever again. What are you feeling in your heart right now? What are you fearing in your mind right now? Would you give up life with God to get it back? Would you walk away sorrowful because your possessions were too great? You see, for Christ, there was nothing more to grasp, more valuable to him than bringing God glory to making his name known to his people. Now don't beat yourself up because even the disciples in the story say, Jesus, this is impossible. Nobody's gonna be saved if that's the case. And Jesus goes, you're right. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, Jesus shows us here that he did not let God down. He made a way for you and me, for us to be saved, to let go of those possessions and find our identity in him, to bring God glory. It was through him, through Jesus, that this is possible. There's nothing more real or more valuable than life in Christ. So today, can we loosen our grip on our possessions today, our identity in whatever we're pursuing, and know that they pale in comparison to God, to Christ, the life that he gives us. Do we really believe its value is more than what we hang our hats on today? And if we don't, Jesus help our unbelief. So Jesus has prayed to glorify God that he succeeded and accomplished this. And now he moves from this mission of thankfulness to God to, I want this mission to continue through my disciples, but I care for them as well. So sanctify is the next portion. Jesus did not let the disciples down. In verse 19, it says, and for their sake, I consecrate myself. I set myself aside for sacrifice so that they also may be sanctified, be set aside for you and your truth, Lord. He didn't let them down. We have any movie buffs out there? Y'all like movies out there? I know I explained, I love movies. There was a great movie uh, back in the '90s, I think. It was pretty, pretty powerful uh, with a big ship. It's called Titanic. Have you ever heard that one before? Yeah, <laughs> I figured you guys had. Um, how about how about this? Any Celine Dion fans out there? Yeah, yeah, okay. We're gonna be praying for that section uh, later on. So, no, I'm just kidding. There's a lot of people that love Celine Dion. I'm just teasing. Well, in this movie, uh, there's uh, two main characters, a male and a female, and I have to confess, the last two hours I've been saying Kate because that's the actress, her name is Rose. So if I say Kate, you know what I'm talking about, but the female person is Rose, and the male person is Jack. And at the end of the movie, uh, spoiler alert, uh, the the ship sinks, (laughs) and so on the uh, debris, they're hanging tightly, and, and Rose is holding on tightly to Jack, I'm pretty sure he's dead at this moment in time, but she says, I will never let go. You know what she does right after it? Yeah, that joker Let's go. She drops that boy to the depths of the sea. Now that Celine Dion song too, remember this? Near, far, wherever you are. There's a reason why I'm preaching and not singing, but you get my point, right? All right, what's the next line of that song? I believe that my heart will go on. Wrong. It did not go on. You cut those strings quickly, sister. You dropped him so bad that he was drifting out to the sea. You did not pass go. You did not collect $100. This kind of love will always leave us wanting. You know, but the world loves this kind of love. Now, obviously, I'm being a little silly here, but Hollywood loves this kind of love, right? You know why? Because it sells tickets. It pulls on our emptiness to be loved by someone, it makes us think we're incomplete. Makes us think that we need somebody to feel important to, to be real today, to be filled today. So much so that we go looking for it in all the wrong places and all the wrong people. So let me ask you this. You ever been let down by someone before? I mean, like totally defeated. They weren't there when you needed them most. Could be a parent, could be a friend or a boss. You know, for me, early on, I found myself putting too much hope in my relationships. I relied too heavily on the success of my relationships to give me value, to give me worth. Growing up in a broken home, I wanted nothing more than just to be in a perfect family, to have the perfect love. Now, uh, I'm not telling uh, telling myself, my wife knows this story, but before I was married, I was in a long-term relationship. And in this relationship, I thought I was doing this textbook love, like this perfect by the book love, right? I mean, I had sacrificed myself for her. I had given uh, all chivalrous actions towards her. I'd opened uh, the doors. I had done, just done everything that I could to show her how much I loved her, right? I thought if I was faithful and dependable, that that would be reciprocated love, right? Nope. Man, I still remember to this day sitting on the couch in her house looking at her, knowing that something big was about to happen. And she looked me straight in the eyes. She goes, I, I'm just not happy anymore. What? I've given everything that I could possibly give to you. I've given every, the perfect life that I thought I could give it's yours. And it's not good enough. Guys, I thought I was giving her the textbook kind of love, but you know what? I was reading the wrong book y'all. I wasn't reading the right book. I wanted that Titanic kind of love, but I needed that biblical kind of love. I needed that Jesus kind of love. I felt like Jack drifting off in the sea, just cold, lost, and in despair. But you know what? She should have never have had that privilege in my life. She should have never have had that role in my life. I told my wife this. It might've been crazy. It might've been bold. But before we ever started dating, I told her this. I said, look, you need to know something. I never need to be the source of your value. And I need you to know that you will never be the source of my value. That's a role that is reserved for Christ and Christ alone. And I will do my best to show you his love as I show you my love. Because my love, my love is selfish. My love, my love is conditional. But Jesus' love is both unconditional and selfless. Guys, his love is unfailing. His love is never ending. His love is a relentless kind of love. I'm reminded of the Samaritan woman in scriptures as she's going to the well. Some of you guys may know the story. She's going to the well to draw some water, but she runs into Jesus and he asks her for some water and he says this, hey, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for living water. You don't know if she really knows what he's talking about. Of course, she's like, yeah, I want that. I never wanna thirst again. I don't wanna have to come to the well again. So she asked him, and you know what he says? He says, go get your husband. What? Jesus, she just asked for living water, and you ask her to go get her husband? What does that have to do with anything? Well, the story wasn't over, right? Because she responds to him. She says, Jesus, I don't don't have a husband. He says, you're right. You don't have one husband. You've actually had five husbands. And the man that you're with right now, he ain't your husband. Guys, don't miss this. She had asked for living water, and Jesus' first step in giving it to her is to prod her to face her situation which no man or husband can give her, no matter how many she has. It reminds me of Micah 7, verses five, seven through eight. It says this, Put no trust in a neighbor, have no confidence in a friend, guard the doors of your mouth from her or him who lies in your arms. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation my God will hear me, rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. And when I sit in the darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Or in other words, when I am let down, my God will lift me up. There's no man, no woman, no friend or confidant that can give you the value that Christ can give you. Our personal relationships will always let us down, y'all. We're not meant to bear this kind of burden. You cannot base your value off of another person. We are too weak and feeble and broken as people. It's like looking into an old dirty mirror, right? All we're going to see when we're trying to look at ourselves is see the old dirtiness of the mirror. When we try to find our value in another person, guess what? We're only gonna see broken lives, ours included. But when we depend on Jesus, when we see his perfection See, the disciples saw his perfection, they depended on him, they gave his life to him and Jesus didn't let him down. Our earthly relationships will show us our sin. We're not perfect and we're going to let people down or in this case, people will let you down. You see, in this portion of the prayer, we were reminded that Jesus kept his disciples safe and is asking God to continue to keep them. Guys, Jesus literally gives his life to God so that God's people, that God will keep his disciples safe. No other person can offer that to us. No other person could have offered that to them, which leads us to the last part of his prayer, right? He has shown glorification to God. He is asking God to keep his disciples and the next unify. Jesus did not let us down. Look at me, look with me at verses 20 through 21. It says, I do not ask for these only, talking about the disciples, but also for those who believe in me through the word that they all be one. I don't know if y'all know this, guys. We are the people that he is praying for right then. We are learning of who he is through his words, through their words and their deeds and their mission through the scriptures. He's praying for us. You ever felt like anybody's let you down? like we just talked about? What if, what if you ever felt like you were dealing with this world all by yourself? All right? I mean, we could be in that place for many reasons. It might be because our lifestyle that we chased was empty. The people that we put our hope in was just valueless, and they let us down. Maybe we're, we have tasted so much failure in a life that we begin to confine ourselves even as failures. Repeat this after me, Jesus, praise for me. Don't forget it, guys. He has and literally is praying for you. Let me ask you this. I know some of us, you could probably think of this one name when your world just falls apart, when life hits the fan and you need somebody who can talk to God, you probably have that one name that I need to go talk to them because I know they're gonna pray for me. Some of us, it might be our parents. Other of us, it might be our grandparents, but it might just be a prayer warrior that we know exists here at church. We do this because we believe for some reason that they have a direct line to God, right? Guys, we literally have the son of God sitting at the right hand of his father and he leans over into our creator's ear and he prays for us right now, today, in this moment. God, lift them up. Lift her up, Lord. Lift him up, Lord. Lift up Ben. Lift up Nisha. Lift up Damien and Craig and Jonathan and Michael. Your name is on the lips of our saviors right now as he is listening to our hearts and he is lifting it up into our father's ears. He's praying for you. Whatever you're going through, he remembers you. He's thinking of you. He doesn't let you down. He doesn't let us down. Not only that, that he has given us a people united to show us physically that he hasn't forgotten you. He has not failed you, to encourage you, to lift you up. You can see this in Paul's words when he's talking to the church of Galatia. It's in Galatians 6, one through two. It says this, brothers and sisters, someone in your group might do something wrong. You who are following the spirit should go to the one who is sinning. Help make that person right again and do it in a gentle way. But be careful because you too might be tempted to sin. Help each other with your troubles. Or in other words, another translation that says, share each other's burdens. When you do this, you are obeying the law of Christ. Now back to my basketball team. I don't know if you guys, when you watch basketball, if someone gets knocked down, I love this part. The the team rushes over to pick them up off the floor. Now, sometimes it's because they missed a buzzer beater and they they lost the game or they got fouled out and you'll see the team come over and pat them on the back, lift their chin up to make sure that they know they played a hard game and they're not alone. But when they get knocked down, the whole team rushes over to pick them up. That's what the church is designed to do. We have been united through Christ and what he's accomplished on the cross to lift each other up. I'm here today, family, on behalf of the church to tell you, to lift you up, to encourage you. You're not a failure. There's a great quote, it's not my quote, but it says this, that people are not failures. Events are failures. People are not failures, events are failures. You're not a failure, a sinner maybe, events in your life maybe, but you, you're not a failure. Jesus did not fail and he is still working on you. And he is still working through us as the body to come together to lift each other up as we begin to process these things. When we serve, when we teach, when we greet one another, even in the Samaritan fund, when we pray for one another, when we share a meal together, we see more tangibly the life of Christ that he has given us together to spur one another on. That we're not failures. In fact, that we're more than conquerors. You see, your letdowns, whatever it is, whatever list that you have that makes you feel like a failure... Your letdown does not define you. In fact, it points you to something greater. Your letdown has become beautiful because it draws your attention to a lasting value that is in Christ lifted up. All of us have beautiful letdowns that remind us that this world is not enough. We need Jesus. Out of all the things that we try to find our value in, our worth in, everything in this world will let you down. Everything in this world will let you down. But Christ has shown us in this last prayer that he does not fail us and he does not let anyone down. So why do we still hang our hope on anything else? So as I come to a close, let me remind you of this. You've not been let down because Jesus has been lifted up. He's lifting you up right now as he puts your name onto the heart and ears of our Father. We've not been let down because he has set you aside for his glory, right? So that you, he looks at you and he says, that one, that one's mine. The world can't touch that one. And you've not been let down because you have been unified, united in him today. He says, these are my people, this is my family and I will lift them up. So extend your hand out again for me one more time. Is it time to open your hands, to release that possession, those people in your life that define you, so you can perhaps truly grab for the first time the hands of Christ, like a father grabs their child across the street, walking us through this world, knowing that we have hope in him and he will never fail us? guys, it's time to not trust a man for our eternal value or worth. It's time to remember that you're not a failure. You're not alone. And if we need someone to talk through these kind of things that this sermon has stirred something in your heart, we always have prayer warriors and people in the back in the prayer area so that we can be with you and walk with you to lift you up and encourage you and let you know that you're not alone. But if you're online, certainly comment below. One of our pastors or prayer warriors will reach out to you as well. There is no community that has more power potentially in it than Christ's body, his church. In just a few moments, we'll be participating in communion, right? A physical sign of the community of Jesus' followers united with him. It's another proof that his prayer did not fail us, that he didn't fail us. He has given us a faith family today and always. But as we commune, remember today that Jesus never let you down and that every worldly letdown points to him. This world is not enough. We need him. So there's only a few things guaranteed in this life. You probably heard this, right? Death and taxes. (laughs) I'd like to add Christ. Christ's work is guaranteed what he did on the cross, what he did through this prayer. He did not let God down. He did not let his disciples down and he did not let us down. And he puts an exclamation point on that next weekend as we celebrate Easter. So join us as we celebrate that because we're reminded that our beautiful letdowns become his greatest moment of being lifted up from graves to gardens. Today, be reminded that your beautiful letdown points to him and him alone and we need him, and he never lets us down. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you that you gave us your last prayer before the cross that we can hold on today, reminding us that you are faithful that you are effective, that you are true, that God has given you the power and the authority over life itself, Lord, and that you give that life to us. So remind us today that we can glorify God through you. Remind us today that we've been set aside for you. But remind us today that we have a family called the church that you don't let us down. I pray all these things in your name, and we all say, amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis Podcast. I'm Daniel Oppenheisen, Musical Worship Director at Hope. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship experience, visit us online at hopechurchmemphis.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Again, thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis Podcast.